Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you are having a great week. It is so exciting to be back with you. And last week, for the very first time since coronavirus struck, I flew on a plane. And the great news is my wife and I traveled across the country to Baltimore and back in two days, mind you, to celebrate the engagement of our daughter. It was mind-blowing to think about how much the world has been through since the last time I flew on a plane over 18 months ago. Traveling for a personal simcha brought home, in a very personal way, how much we've overcome as a society. The virus has shown us something that earlier generations were attuned to. We don't always know how life will turn out. And that's true on a global level with things like pandemics, but it's also true on a personal level. All of a sudden, I find myself in Baltimore with our family, celebrating the beautiful simcha of our daughter, engaged to a wonderful and well-matched young man. And in such a moment, it's easy to be overwhelmed by joy and gratitude. But there's many moments along the way where there's doubt and confusion and challenge. About a year and a half ago, I wanted to help my daughter. She began the shidduch process. Probably didn't do me too much good, but I started reading a number of articles about the shidduch crisis that plagues the Jewish community. And as I read about this challenge that particularly impacts young women, I felt somewhat helpless as a father. But then I remembered something that I've learned in my life as a rabbi. Just take steps. Do actions, even when you don't know exactly where they're going to lead to. Take those steps because you never know. They just might lead somewhere. And I started calling relatives, friends in various places, telling them about our next stage of helping our daughter to find a good find. And what I found is that it's easy to land at the vort, the engagement party, and feel overwhelmed with joy. But not all of life is like that. There's many steps we take along the way in relative darkness. And what's more, I realize that I'm fortunate. Many people go through lengthy struggles and say, finding a shidduch or a livelihood, and they don't have it so easy. The reality is that most of life is not an engagement party where our dreams are unfolding before our very eyes. If most of life entails struggle and doubts and challenges, how do we go through those moments? In today's Torah Journey podcast, we'll explore how to find joy even when you're not at the party. As we're about to see, our state of joy or lack thereof is a key sign of where we stand on one of the most critical issues in our life. For a variety of reasons, my wife and I made the decision a couple of weeks ago to do our whole trip to Baltimore in a total of 48 hours. We had good reasons for doing this, but I felt some anxiety anticipating our tight schedule. And looking at the weather forecast the night before the trip, I saw the forecast for thunderstorms in Baltimore when we're supposed to land, and I started imagining the worst about our trip. And then it hit me. I could be in the middle of the biggest simcha of my life and still face anxiety or fear. And that image might be a good way of describing the moment in the Midbar when Moshe struck the rock. With the passing of Miriam, the Jewish people lacked water. And in that time of need, Hashem instructs Moshe to stand up in in that breach. In that moment, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, 
Take the staff in your hand and gather the community. You and Aaron, your brother, you shall speak unto the rock, and it will give of its waters. And then something happened. The result of that something is that Moshe will not merit to lead the people into the promised land of Israel. What happened? The Torah records that Moshe declared, Shimu Nahamorim, listen up rebels, shall we draw water forth for you? And then Moshe struck the rock two times. Water came gushing forth and the people drank. But Hashem declared, Ya'an loham antem bilak disheni le'enei Israel, on account of the fact that you have not believed in me, to sanctify my name by the eyes of B'nei Israel, lochein lo taviu as a kahalazeh el ha'aretz asher nasati lahem. Therefore, you shall not bring this kahal to the land I have given unto them. What precisely went wrong in this moment? The verse states that Moshe and Aaron did not believe in Hashem to sanctify him. How is it possible that the receiver of God's word did not have a moon in Hashem? According to the Maharal of Prague, the answer is that Moshe and Aaron temporarily forsook their Amunah. That temporary departure was apparent as Moshe and Aaron drew forth the water with a degree of anger. Performing a mitzvah with kas, anger, especially in a time of miracles, is a departure from Amunah. The Maharal explains, Ki Amunah hi mi bo yisbarach. Amunah is when a person trusts in God and he has only joy. For this is the matter of Amunah. When someone believes in and trusts in God. And along with trust comes joy. Every American piece of currency bears the words, In God we trust. And accordingly, every American with a buck in his pocket should feel happy. When we trust in God, we will feel a state of happiness. The Maharal further explains that striking the rock and calling the Jewish people rebels was done with a degree of anger, albeit subtle anger, according to the lofty level of Moshe Rabbeinu. When a person does not believe and trust in God with complete trust, Maharal says, that person is bekas ubemach ovos, in a state of anger and sadness. That's a startling revelation. A lack of amuna will lead to nothing less than bitterness and anger. So while the Almighty commanded Moshe and Aaron to sanctify God's name, bringing forth the water, the way in which they did this mitzvah was a departure from the faith and joy that needed to accompany that moment. This insight of the Maharal is revealing about our lives. A person who has belief and trust in God has joy, Enjoy is the ultimate litmus test of where we are in terms of the most important relationship in our life, our relationship with the Almighty Creator. On the way to the Vort last week, I glanced at my phone and I noticed an event that repeats, that repeats weekly on my Google Calendar. The name of the event is Work on Shaduchim, reminding me to make those efforts for my daughter. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not like I really know what I'm doing, but I look for steps in life that I can find. And still, it's one thing to find joy when I'm at my daughter's ward, but it's another thing to feel joy going through those motions in life, being it trying to make a livelihood or seeking a shidduch or any of the daily challenges that we face. We're out there making efforts, not really knowing if our efforts are going anywhere. 
For all you know, you might as well be bringing water forth from a rock. And likewise, there was Moshe in that moment of the mitzvah with the people in need of water. Hashem instructed him, Vidibartem el you shall speak unto the rock. It may well have been necessary to strike the rock, but still Moshe needed to speak with joy. Joy is from a place of amuna. Anger, though, is a shortcoming, a forsaking of God's name. This past week, the news came out about a brilliant hedge fund manager who wrecked his career by breaking several federal laws in one frenzied afternoon via some text messages. This person's going to jail for six months and he'll never be a financial advisor again. He had a great reputation as an upstanding person prior to this. How did he lose his mind for a single afternoon? Well, he explained himself to the media. He was in the throes of a major competition over a number of weeks. And over a period of time, he got overwhelmed by anxiety and anger. And eventually, in that state of anger, he lost his hold on reality. The Talmud teaches us that acting out of anger is akin to serving an idol. That idol being our own self or our anger. Our anger and anxiety are expressions of detachment from God. Staying connected to God is easier said than done. But at the end of the day, there's no way a person who is davuk b'hakadosh baruch who clings to God could act out of anger. But the problem is that life is complex. It's easy to be happy at your simcha, but in throes of life, competition, struggle, doubt, and darkness, it's much harder. We know that our moon is our joy, but how do we keep ourselves in that state throughout our turbulent lives? The Parsha continues, and the people complain about a lack of water, and the lechem haklokel, the light bread, the Almighty sends serpents amongst the people, and many die. And the people turn to Moshe to daven unto Hashem. And then God instructs Moshe to make a copper serpent lifted up in a pole in the sight of the people. It shall be that all those who are struck shall gaze upon the serpent, and they shall live. Rashi points to the obvious paradox. The people are struck by serpents, so now the remedy is a copper serpent? Rashi elaborates, our rabbis teach us, does a serpent kill or give life? Ella, rather. In the time the Jewish people gaze upward to Hashem and subjugate their hearts to God, they are healed. And if not, they are stricken. Making the copper serpent as a source of healing underscores this very point. Serpents do not kill or give life. God is the source of all life. While stricken by serpents, we need to gaze upward towards an image of a serpent. That very image reminds us serpents do not determine our lot. Hashem is the single source of life. In the wilderness, this copper serpent was a symbol of connection with God. But over generations, this icon was turned into an idol. And Chizkiyahu, the first temple king, led a campaign in his days against idolatry, and one of the very things that he pulverized was this copper snake, referred to as Nechushtan. The Navi in 2 Kings, Malachim Bez, teaches us, he removed the high places, shattered the pillars, cut down the Asherah trees, the kitas nechasha nechoshas, asher asa and he ground up the copper serpent that Moshe made. For until those days, Bnei Yisrael used to burn incense until it, unto it. He called it Nechushtan, 
He trusted in the God of Israel. He clung to God, and he did not turn aside from following him. During the first temple period, the Jewish people turned the copper serpent into the very opposite of its intention. And in eradicating that image, Chizkiyahu trusted in God. When we do trust in Hashem, we turn towards joy, away from the depressing idea that we need to worship every passing idol. But again, how do we stay connected to that joy? In the Midbar, the Jewish people had to find a path to focus their sights on Hashem as the true provider of life. There's various ways that we can achieve that kind of focus in our lives today. For one thing, we need to take times aside to reconnect to our Muna. If we're going through a struggle, take some time out, go for a walk, take a day off, and recalibrate and think about who you are. But another thing that can be very helpful is to try to make your own mantra that reconnects you to your purpose. Last summer, for example, I took some time alone at the coast and I was looking out at the ocean water, the waves, thinking about the various challenges of life. And I was struck by three very simple ideas, hope, knowledge, and light. Hope means optimistically looking to God, the provider of all life in all times, even when there is worry or anxiety. But from hope, we can progress to something that's positive and active. We have to take actions and we can absorb knowledge of the word of God by learning Torah. And once we take in that knowledge, a further step is sharing that knowledge with the world as we shine God's light towards others, be it by teaching Torah or even just smiling at someone and greeting them. And so we hope in God, absorb knowledge of the Torah and share the light of Hashem with the people that we meet. Hope, knowledge, and light became my own mantra, a set of ideas that I try to keep in front of myself. I thought about it just this morning as I was waking up and thinking about some challenges that I really should see as opportunities. Now, if you like my mantra of hope, knowledge, and light, there's no copyright on it, so feel free to use it. But maybe there's a verse or chapter in Tehillim that inspires you. Find something that reconnects you to your amuna. There certainly is a verse or an idea that you can find that inspires you, that you can place in front of your eyes at all times. And if you're able to trace that path back to your core beliefs, you will feel the joy, which is an indicator of your connection with Hashem. And then in that state of joy, speak to the rock. When you take action and speak from a place of trust and joy, then you can extract water from a rock. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and think that others will benefit, make sure to tell your friends about our weekly broadcast. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.